Hi, I'm Meredith. And I'm Kristen, and we'd like to welcome you to the writer's story. It is very rainy tonight, and I managed to ride my bike all the way home from work in the rain. <laughs> Kudos to you, Meredith. <laughs> I managed to not do much outside today. <laughs> Although I actually love, like, I love to walk in the woods in the rain. But huge caveats with the knowledge that I'll be able to get dry yes. later. <laughs> well, luckily mine was the trip home. So I was just able to change out of my work clothes and into warm, dry clothes when I got home. I don't think I would have been quite as happy if I was headed to work. Um, yes. yes. Especially wet socks. Wet socks are a real tragedy. <laughs> they are. They are. And oh, living a day with w just wet socks, especially if it's cold. But it has not been so cold here. 50s. So yeah. it feels, feels quite manageable. And um, yeah. And also cozy weather for doing a little bit of writing. Yes. Most definitely. We have a exciting guest today and I think we were both struck by the experiences she writes in her short stories and wanted to talk a little bit about when we use our own experiences or not in fiction. Yeah, yeah it's an interesting question because of course uh, you're never not you. <laughs> so when writing there's always something of you in your own, the different characters, the experiences and so on. But it also is an opportunity to try on um, an experience or a situation that you've never been in um, or relationship, whatever. And I think about, I wrote this novel, The Teardrop Camper, largely because I wanted to have a teardrop camper and it wasn't in my future. And I thought if I could write a story in which um, my character travels across the country in a teardrop camper, that would scratch that itch. And it did a little bit. Um, <laughs> did you give her bad experiences with the camper? Like she's stuck in a bad storm. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, the camper... Uh, yeah, so she she did not want any part of the camper. My character did not want any part of the camper. This was anathema to the ways that she saw herself living and going through the world. But she was in a situation wherein she would have to drive. Actually, this speed-up pickup truck that had been converted to biodiesel pulling the teardrop camper. Hmm. Both things, not at all what she had um, cultivated as her persona and identity well you bring so, up yeah you bring up something really interesting and I think you know you were you're sort of asking me this question and I kind of was drawing a blank but I think I think when I, I feel like using my own experiences is, is the most effective is when I take something that I enjoy doing or an experience I've had and I put a very very different character than me in that situation so an example would be a book that I, I wrote about someone who was terrified of water. Mm -hmm. I got to read that. I love it. Yeah. That. And so, and, and that's absolutely opposite of the way I am. I've always been a swimmer. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. so I, so I think, you know, but I, I've had terrifying experiences in the water. It's not like I've never almost drowned. <laughs> I mean, I learned yeah. to swim in a river. 
um, which always has a lot of exciting stuff when you are small and you lose track of the bottom and you're being drawn down away from the shore. And then we used to go to the beach every summer and and that's pretty terrifying too, being tumbled and not being sure what's up and down. And so I think I could sort of identify with that, but not, but I, but I think it was more, I don't know. I was writing about experiences that I've had, but from someone's point of view where it would suddenly be really, really scary. Yeah. That someone who yeah. wasn't confident, they didn't know, how, they didn't know how to swim. So. Yeah. And you can imagine that even if you know how to swim and you're a great swimmer and you love the water, it's, you know, an exercise and stretching empathy and, and yeah, all the knowing enough, having had experiences close enough and then maybe knowing people who have had these experiences it's um it's a delightful thing to imagine a different experience than your own yeah so it'll be fun to talk with um julia ridley smith about these things because not only does she have some kind of i mean neither of us know her personally so i i don't know how many of the experiences she narrates in her fiction are things that she has had but she did write a memoir as well and um it'll be fun to hear yeah some more about mm-hmm. how she has done some of this why uh don't you tell everybody a little bit about our guest i would like to do that julia ridley smith is um actually a she teaches creative writing at unc chapel hill so she's not local to us here in Charlottesville, Virginia, but she is sort of regionally a sister of ours. Um, Her first book called The Sum of Trifles is a memoir. So that is nonfiction memoir about cleaning out her antique dealer parents' house um, after they had died. Um, So coming up against some really interesting things there. She's written a number of short stories and her most recent publication, the one that we'll probably talk a bit more about tonight, just came out February 6th and it's titled Sex Romp Gone Wrong, which is also the title of one of the stories. But she has published short stories before this collection, and they've appeared in the Alaska Quarterly Review, Cincinnati Review, Ecotone, Electric Literature, New England Review, Southern Review. So she has been at work in this craft of writing for quite a while and also, again, teaches it. So it'll be really fun to visit with her. Let's call her up. Hi, Julia. How are you? I'm great. How are you doing? We're good. Good. good here. It's great to have you with us. Thanks Thank for joining you. us. Yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah, and um, we had a chance to read um, some from your latest short story collection that came out this month and really enjoyed what we had, what we read. Um, and then, you know, we read a bit your bio, but we just really wanted to ask you sort of what was your writing journey Um you know, how did you come to writing and at what stage in your life? Yeah, well, I think I've always been a writer. I was a huge reader when I was little, like a lot of writers. Um, And I started writing stories when I was very small and just was always a big pretender, Um, you know? So I was into all the dramatic things, writing, acting, dance, uh, anything with a narrative, I think. So... By the time I got to college, I knew that 
creative writing was really what I wanted to study. Um, and so I've been writing all along ever since then. I did my MFA right pretty soon out of undergrad, which I now tell my own, own undergraduate students not to do um, because you need a little more life. So you have something to write it about. But anyway, I just kept writing and I was in the for the past, I'd say 20 years or so. I've been publishing short stories in journals, writing some drawer novels. Um, and I also wrote a, a memoir in essays, which sort of came as a surprise to me. I had really thought of myself only as a fiction writer for a long time. Um, and then I started writing these essays after my parents died. So that was what my first book, The Sum of Trifles was about. But the stories in this new book, which is called Sex Romp Gone Wrong, um, were sort of written over, you know, a longer spell of time. I was writing a lot of other things during that time, but then realized that I had a group of stories that kind of cohered around some themes. Um, and so I pulled those together. Great. And one of those stories you do have, um, your character is the daughter of antiques dealers as, yes. as you, right? So you're that's right. Yeah. So she's, that's my character, Delia, who appears in a few of the stories. And she has some kind of overlaps with me. Um, she has these antique dealer parents. She has this old family house um, that appears in one of the stories in the book. Um, but then she has some other things that uh, in her life that do not overlap with mine, uh, with my life. So it, she was interesting for me because I would say that was writing that character was really the first time I was ever kind of working with autobiographical material in a really conscious way. Um, I, I mentioned in my first book that my mother had once said that if she ever saw herself in my writing, she would sue me. Uh, yeah. And she used to talk about how Thomas Wolfe could never go back to Asheville because everybody hated him there because of all the things said about all the people he knew. So, you know, Careful, I mean, she's just sort of like kidding, not kidding, you know? <laughs> well, now there's the Truman Capote movie, you know? Right, right. I haven't, I haven't seen it yet. About all the women that were mad at him. Yeah. So, like, I didn't want my mom to be mad at me, I guess, for a long time. So I tried to steer away from that material. But now, you know, she's not here anymore, so I can kind of do whatever I want. Well, they used to say that if you really wanted to write about somebody that you didn't like, who was a guy you just wrote about someone who had a very small penis in your story and then they would never come forward and say that was me i'm sure there's an equivalent for women I don't know. i'm sure there is i don't know what it would be i guess if i you know my mom was really smart so maybe if i yeah know, a dumb blonde dumber. Yeah. i dumbed her down maybe but then she wouldn't be the same character well we were just talking yeah we were just talking a little bit before we 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 called you up about how Anytime that we have used autobiographical stuff in fiction and, um, and I was kind of blanking a little bit on it. I think part of the reason is so much of what we write about is stuff that sort of happens to us. You know, we, we have all this experience that from our lives that we, that can't help but sort of seep into our writing. But I was saying that I think that when it works the best for me is when I put a character that's really different than me in that situation. 
that yeah I think the situ for me it's the situation but it's also often the setting or you know like in that story of um about the antique shop it's the setting of the antique shop really that I wanted to use um so much you know because for me that I don't know when I have a setting that I can really kind of like fixate on that's not completely imaginary then it really activates all my kind of descriptive juices which um which is fun for me but then you're putting oh I'm sorry but then you're putting a, a character that's not you in that antique shop so maybe it's something you remember as a kid but it's not you as a kid there it's it's another character right. and they're doing something else so that's yeah, interesting absolutely yeah. yeah so do you kind of start with setting it just depends yeah it's di- i mean sometimes it's a setting sometimes it's a situation sometimes it's a you know just a line um and sometimes it, you know, it's, it's a piece of language that kind of gets me going um I don't know. They, they they all start out differently. I mean, you know, as you could see when you looked at the collection, some of them are kind of more realistic stories when others of them kind of really kind of go off <laughs> um, into more fantastical territory, you know. So yeah. some, it's a, sometimes it's the concept. Um, so like for the one called Hot Lesbian Vampire Magic School. Yes. It was really more of kind of like the concept of that 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 came to me. Um, And then once I decided that it was going to be a ballet, um, then I I had a structure for it. Um, Well, that was so interesting to me that you would write with a very different structure. I mean, the style of the piece is different Hmm. than a lot of short stories. it was so engaging. You have a wonderful sense of humor. I, yeah, and you're you're a gutsy writer. I mean, you're you tackle things that are challenging. Um, I, anyway, I've I deeply enjoyed reading what I have. I haven't been able to read all of them through, but yeah, Thank you. yeah, yeah. So I'm trying to place your accent. Okay. Where did you grow up. I grew up in Greensboro, North Carolina. Um, but you know, I, I, so that's in, that's in the middle, right? In the uh-huh. <laughs> Carolina, but my mother was from Eastern North Carolina, um, from North, Northeastern North Carolina, um, which has kind of more of like a Tidewater accent. Uh-huh. Okay. So, and then my dad's mother was from Georgia. So there's some, there's a whole kind of stew of southernness southernness in there Uh, you won't be confused about the region at least oh at least the state yeah i don't i'm not so good at north carolina accents i used to be pretty good at virginia yeah but you know i'm sure like virginia there's there's multiple north carolina accents depending on well no i meant kind of could tell where you were from in virginia oh yeah but it's it, a lot of accents are disappearing. It's kind of sad. Yeah, I don't know. There's, I, I still hear plenty of them down here. I guess. <laughs> also depends on who I'm talking to. Oh know, yeah. Oh yeah. Now my mother used to talk about going into a country store near um, where I grew up and just not being able to understand a single word anyone was saying to each other. <laughs> 
<laughs> but then they um a lot of people can do the dual thing though so that's you're talking to your buddies and you talk in a certain way and then you know right somebody obviously doesn't when i get around my family it gets stronger i'm sure <laughs> that is certainly true for me when i go back to minnesota people say wow your o's get really long <laughs> i can tell so do you think of yourself as a southern writer i mean i think i can't help it because um southern literature yeah because i'm you know the way the way i use language has that sort of um this sort of funny marriage of high and low diction i think that i think of as being kind of southern you know that's what i was going to ask you next is like how do you how do you define it like what makes southern literature or southern writing uh, yeah, I, mean, I, I think that's that's something that a lot of southern literature has where it'll kind of go back and forth between this sort of like you know kind of a more lyrical register and then a more profane register and then a more you know sort of like I don't know jokey uh you know there are just a lot of different textures to the language and I think that's one thing that um does for me distinguish a lot about the way that southerners talk is that they like wordplay um uh-huh. you know and I think that tends to go across class and race in the South. Oh, yeah. And, um, but it's also something I notice. I think like, you know, I've been reading a lot of like Irish fiction writers. Oh. Uh, they do a, they do some similar things in the way that they play with language. Um, I think the wordplay is, is kind of similar, you know. Well, there's a lot of interesting stuff about sort of where the folks in Appalachia came from and uh, the whole Scots-Irish Oh, for sure. Tradition. Yeah. And, yeah. That's I went to Scotland like 10, I don't know, 10, 12 years ago, and we were off on this tiny little island called Gia and met these old old guys there. And as soon as we said North Carolina, they were like lit right up, you know. <laughs> yeah, they they know we're we're from there and you know we're we're connected so another part of southern writing that i think always sticks with me is a sort of um sort of a rootedness or a description of place like there's a lot of you know there's a, there's a lot of feelings for where you're setting your story yeah. not just uh there's not sort of a neutral zone <laughs> in the south no. No, there, there isn't. Although, you know, it's funny when I started, started writing, I think it took me a while to get, to let the setting be part of it. Um, Mm -hmm. In particular, when I was writing about a place more like Greensboro. So like now some of the short stories in Sex Romp Gone Wrong are definitely um, set in Greensboro. But when I was writing, when I was a bit younger, you know, I thought it was too kind of too boring of a a place to write about, you know how it is that you think wherever you're from is, is just too boring, right? Like who wants to read about my town? Um, and then gradually I, I decided, you know what, there's, there are some distinctive things about this place. Um, and so that I sort of let it kind of get in there more. And then there's some of the other stories in the book are set in more rural places that are familiar to me from, 
uh, you know, where my mom was from in Eastern North Carolina. And I lived there for about five and a half years in my grandparents' house. Um, wow. And so, yeah, I mean, outside of a town with, you know, like 200 people, like a one And how, how old were you? Wow, that's, yeah, wow. Oh, in my 20s. Okay. Um, yeah. yeah. So, so writing, I write, I'm sorry? So you were writing then? I was writing then, um, not necessarily the stories that are kind of set there. I kind of wrote more about that place after I, I moved back to Greensboro. Um, but it was it was an important time, definitely for me. And for one thing, there was not a lot to do there, so I read a lot of books. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's fruitful stuff. So yeah. I was curious in collections, how you arrived. So you did mention that you felt after a time of, of generating a number of stories that these had theme, thematic commonality or something that really felt like it tied them together. So I'd love to hear a little about that. And then also how you arrange it. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I'd written other stories during this time, um, and some of them just didn't quite hang with the themes. And I had been playing with the collection for a while, right? So, you know, if you've ever tried to sell a short story collection as a writer who's not, uh, you know, famous, um, it's not very easy. And so for a for a few years, I was sending the collection to contests, and then um, I would write, you know, it would I would send it, wait, get rejected, or get a, like, you know, occasionally, oh, you were a semifinalist, whatever, and then I would take a story out, and I'd put in a new story as I was writing new ones, um, because I think initially it was just like, ugh, I just would put in all the stories I had, and then gradually, as I was writing more and more stories, I could kind of, you know, start to shape it more. And then I realized that I really just wanted this dozen stories to be all girls or women, narrators or main characters. Um, and over the course of my writing, I just realized, you know, they were all of these stories sort of had these themes of relationships and desire and sex and family and motherhood and all of the, you know, all of the things. Um, as far as arranging the stories, I, you know, I had arranged them one way and then sent the book to my agent. Um, and when she agreed to send it out, she re she wanted to re reorder it. And then when it went to the editor at the press, she wanted a slightly different order. So, you know, I mean, my rationale when I started to, to put the order together was that I didn't want it to be didn't want to have too many stories that were first person narrators in a clump or too many that were third person. So I was trying to space them out so that when you went to a new story, you knew you were in a different story, not yeah. in case there were a couple of voices that maybe sounded similar. I didn't want them to the things that felt too similar to be right up on top of each other. I guess that was my about the only rationale I had. Did they, um, and I think, yeah, oh, was the title uh, your choice? And It was my choice. Um, when I was sending it out to some of the content, I had tried out different titles, you know, of other stories in the book. And then I finally landed on this one, which, of course, is the title of one of the stories in the book. Um, now, Sex Wrong, Gone Wrong. And 
when I was sending out, my husband really encouraged me to use that title. He was like, that's a great title, you know, and I thought, oh, is it going to sound too silly? They're not going to, nobody's going to take me seriously. Um, but, but he convinced me and I think it was a good move. Uh, you know, people seem to, it at least gets people's attention, which is helpful. Um, and sometimes maybe they get a little bit of a wrong idea about what it might be about, but well, at least if they got, they picked it up and looked at it, that's good. Exactly. Yes. So are you, um, going to be traveling with the book for this month? Or? I am. Yeah, I um I had my launch um about a week ago and then I went to big AWP conference and um and um met a lot of readers there, which was great. But then I'm gonna be doing a you know, pretty decent tour of bookstores and festivals and other events and things, um, all through the spring and for as long as people will keep having me. Um <laughs> Yeah, because I you know, it's exciting. I love to meet readers and I like to go out and also meet other writers, you know, because that's so many bookstore converse things now are conversations rather than just a single author reading. So it's kind of cool because you get paired up with these other writers that you might or might not know in advance. So yeah. I'm meeting a lot of people. Yeah, that's, that's always a good thing. I mean, I do get, I used to give that advice to people that they should travel with other writers. Yeah, and also that way if, like, nobody shows up. Then you'll just hang out because writers are always really fun to talk to. So (laughs) you're just fine. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I also traveled, and I thought it was was really effective for me, traveled with people who were – had a longer career arc than I had. And so with – because I'm a mystery writer, so – but I I would just – it was great because they would have fans show up and then you could, they could be like, and here's her, she's new. And you know, they could look at your book and that's really fun. I think that, um, the way our bookstore does it in town, they have a local author pair up Mm -hmm. and the local author. Yeah. The local author tries to get some people to come friends and stuff. So it says, Oh, I like this person. They're great. You should come. (laughs) We do, they, we do the same thing here at, at our Indy in Greensboro, which is called Scuppernong. It's a great store if you're ever this way. <laughs> a great name, too. Yeah, so we are looking forward to having you here in Charlottesville. I'm and, excited about it. Yeah, and local writer who has been on our show, Jody Hessler, will be um, chatting with you. In yeah, the, we'll so that'll be great. Remind me when that is. That is, I believe, May 11th. Um, Yeah, a a little ways out. So hopefully, you know, I'll still have energy. (laughs) Jody will will energize you. It'll be a great conversation. Um, I think I'm excited to talk to her and talk to her about her work a little bit, too. Yes. Yes. Super awesome. Well, it was so fun to meet you and have a chance to chat. And um, and thank you for sharing your work with us. It was really, really fun to read. Thank you for, yes. for inviting me to talk with you. It was fun. Thanks, Julia. That was a lot of fun talking to Julia, getting to meet her. Um, yes. It's nice to get the voice behind the stories. Um, she was so interesting about the um 
yeah, the ways that she has thought about, for instance, introducing personal stuff into her stories and just the trajectory of her writing journey. It's, um, it's been a rich one. Yeah, and I thought it was really interesting that she took her a while to write about her own hometown. And uh, I think about that sometimes. I think sometimes I wonder, like, are we able to be, I don't know, are we able to look at our hometown with enough sort of, of a critical eye or see it in a new way to write about it? Uh, but, you know, I think what she was saying is just after a while, you just have a little more practice with it or maybe you have a little distance or you're writing it about writing about it at a time that's not today. Yeah, that you see it fresh. Yeah. But I think it is an issue. I mean, I can't tell you how many novels are set in New York uh, by people who've never lived there. And it's just because they think you need to have a big setting like New York. (laughs) Yeah, but interesting to be in a small town and the town it sounds like that was near where her grandparents house was where she lived for those years um had some great material for stories yep and there's been great southern books set in places i've never been and uh <laughs> maybe we'll never go but like that i you, could ever find you could ever yeah. find but are but are super interesting and are unique and, uh, and just in the descriptions, you know, it's how the writer perceives it and how they describe it that makes it fascinating to us. Not that it's, you know, Broadway or whatever. So, well, it'll be um, great to meet her in May when she comes to town. And uh, yeah, I think I'm excited about her collection. I think it's a wonderful, wonderful book. And I hope folks will go find Sex Romp gone wrong <laughs> <laughs> it is a great title it is <laughs> i agree yeah. with her husband 100 percent. it was the right the right title for it <laughs> yep. yep as she said you know if it gets you to pick it up and look inside that's all you need to get started with exactly and, and the writing is so good that yeah. that's how i felt yeah. just i i got right in to that first story no problem awesome yeah really fun well, great to talk with you, and um, Likewise. looking forward to talking to you next month. Will do. Bye for now. Bye-bye.